0: Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joining on the phone, I have Gearman Steve. Hey, Gearman. What's going on, Andy? Oh, not too much. I'm hoping that Todd's going to jump in um, here soon. If he does, I'll just splice him in and we'll try to make it as seamless as possible. But um, but Vance Vance is busy tonight and we're just trying to get out our, uh, our bi-weekly podcast. So... Fear not, Gearman and I have some good stories. Um we'll talk more about that after these plugs, but uh these plugs. So this show is brought to you by Fat AZ Musky Products, com. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Um uh, we've been kind of laying low with everything as uh, most of our stuff is, you know, in low inventory status. Uh I do have some show color baits left over. They are updated on the website. There are some tough shads as well that I've painted the uh the rod holders. I got very very low on Down Easts, but I just got word today that I have another another nice box uh coming in from uh Down East. So, more than likely early next week I'm going to be uh replenished there. Um if anyone's sitting there on the website looking, I still have up the low inventory to no inventory of the Down East. Um I may or may not keep that up after I get this next shipment. Um, we we will see. But as of right now, I have a handful left. I did on the last show talk about it. Um, if anyone's in dire need, just please text, call, email, whatever. And I can give you an honest assessment of where I'm at. Uh, what I had been experiencing is I will take down the low to no inventory on the down east and... Then in a day or two, they're all gone. And then I put it right back up, and then I have to wait a long time. So i just kind of been leaving it up to save editing the website. Um, So if if you're curious, more or less, just reach out, and I will fill you in on where I'm standing there. But I should be looking, like, real good here next week. Um, So, and all the bases, the AZ bases, they're all in stock to the best of my knowledge um so if you have any questions about a boat setup uh, hit me up going from there muddy creek fishing guides mcfishingguides.com um chautauqua lake that's where they're at right now they uh they've been pretty busy they, they they're booked pretty solid but i would still reach out and see if there's any openings. There's always some last minute cancellations that they could probably fit you in should they have the opening. Um, but Hey, phone calls and text messages are free pretty much. So just give, give them, give them a call if you're in the area and they might, they might squeeze you in. Um, but I don't know their schedule, so I don't even want to sit here and say they got openings in October or what have you. So, <laughs> Uh, maybe I should. Maybe I should just come out with like a huge lie. Just like, yeah, the books are wide open. Call Vans, call Todd. They've got no one booked for July, August, September, and October. Yeah,
1: pick a date and everybody starts calling for the same day.
0: I should, but it's just as a joke since they're not here. Be like, I want everyone listening, whether they're going to really serious or not, pick this day and yeah. just call and want it.
1: Yes. Yeah. August first is wide open. <laughs> yeah, that's right,
0: and it's going to be free to the first first person. <laughs> Just say it's the podcast special. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Just to screw with them. Don't do that. <laughs> but if you do it, it'll be funny. <laughs>
1: Hey, we can't control what people do, Andy. <laughs> no,
0: and I, I didn't, I didn't. That wasn't my idea, by the way, but it was. Um, <laughs> so uh, give them a give them a jingle, and um, you know they'll try to get you on some fish. And uh, let's see, moving on from there, they'll be fishing out of Ranger boats. Um, gosh, if Vance and Todd were on. I know. I think we've brought, brought probably brought this up before. All four of us have Rangers. We do. And do you yes. know the crazy thing is? Rewind whatever four, or five, six years ago when we started, there was one of us that had it.
1: You were the original.
0: I was the. I was. Now, granted, their boats are bigger and flashier than than mine. You know, the two that I've had during this show, but I love mine very much. I bought mine. I think I'm like the fourth or fifth owner. I love it. Gearman, you're the, what, third owner?
1: Yeah, third. uh, Great boat. Love it.
0: Yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about that boat here soon uh, on this show. But um, Vance and Todd, they're fishing out of the new Angler Series. I talk about our Fisherman Series, but they haven't made them in the last 16, 17 years. No. (laughs) But that's okay. Um, I still like ours. You know, we have – even before all this craziness hit with high pricing – ours still held their value incredibly well. You can't go off the boat and vehicle prices of the last year and a half. It just, it doesn't make sense, um, to even try to compare that. But prior to that, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to think that the, our boats brand new were probably somewhere in the 40,000 range, maybe a little South of that, maybe mid thirties, thirties. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we picked ours up for the, I'd call it mid to upper teens. You know, that's, yeah. that's not bad for a 15 to 20 year old boat.
1: Boat, oh, right.
0: And, uh, you know, the, the, and of course I may have just, I'm speaking from buying two used Rangers, but it's like everything works. And of course that has to come into play with how it was taken care of, but like right. the switches and the pumps and everything. It's nice when it's just like, yeah, it's old, but it works. Right. And it and it works the way it should and you know so so that's really that's just a nice thing you, you kind of feel that build quality uh, with, with the used boats and uh, you know Vance and Todd they have the newer anglers which would probably be the models that I would be looking at if I was buying brand new uh, nothing mm-hmm. wrong with the Fisherman series um, nope but this the the configuration of those anglers uh, really lends itself to a better musky trolling casting experience. So um, if you're in the market, check those out. And like everything else, um, there's going to be a weight involved with production and demand and all that stuff. I think we all understand um, St. Croix rods, best rods on earth. If you're uh you know, who doesn't need one more fishing rod. Uh, and if that's you, be sure to <laughs> check out the line of St. Croix rods. They have a rod to fit just about every budget and every species you could imagine um, in North America. So that is my recommendation for rods. And let me do this. I got to pull up my, my live read, which I try to do, uh, very well. And Steve can talk a little bit about this too, after, uh, after I get this oh. done, so nice, so, so nice. So, um, Gosh, I hate to keep saying this. We're going to talk about this more after this read. But Steve and I, we went fishing two times last week. Monday Set and Tuesday. Set a record, buddy. It was a record. Two times. Um, we'll go more detail here soon. But uh, the first time we went out was we went trolling for walleye on Lake Erie. And this was the mm-hmm. first time my boat left my driveway in 11 months. That's right. <laughs> and I'll, I'll explain, like, my time crunch here and and why... Like it didn't feel like it's been eleven months, but it, man, it was crazy. But nonetheless, in those eleven months, I had my floor replaced. My carpet was borderline. It was it was serviceable, but it just it was there. Like we like I just said, my boat's not new. And it was the original carpet. So uh we hooked up with Aqua Traction. Aquatraction is a marine flooring. It is not carpet, it is not vinyl, it's one hundred percent cross linked. It's closed cell polyethylene foam. They're saying it's 100% stain resistant. I can't say that that's a lie because we had some blood and stuff smearing on the ground and we were walking on it. And as waves were splashing, this and that, it magically disappeared. So, (laughs) I mean, and we had slime and just snot and and stuff everywhere. And it, it, (laughs) it was fun, but it came clean. And the nice thing when it came clean is it dried quick. It dried really quick. Um, you know, this, this isn't just go down to your local marina and pick this stuff off the shelf. They customize it to your boat. They go and they measure it and they have some really cool tools to do this. They measure up your boat. They put it into the CAD program. They add, you know, if you want some kind of crazy fish scale pattern milled into this stuff, they'll do it. I have a mix of a border and a diamond pattern in mine. Really nice stuff. Um, non-slip. Like I just got done saying blood, water, snot, and just everything. I didn't feel like I was going to slip and slide at all. And I didn't get that soggy feeling in my feet, like wet carpet. So it was, it was really nice stuff. And these, and the, and the cuts that they do in the foam helps channel the water. And even Steve pointed that out as we'll talk more later. How many times am I going to say that? Um, (laughs) It acts like little, little gutters to, to kind of channel the water away and, just a really slick thing they they got a great warranty and you know this is this is something people should consider if you're looking at replacing the flooring in your boat um you know depending on how crazy you get and stuff it's it's in the wheelhouse of a professional replaced carpet or vinyl um i'm feeling it's a superior product so be sure to check that stuff out and uh, you know, for the for the local uh dealer in my area, this was Nick at um here's his email address. Nick at AMF dot com. He is out of, I believe like the Akron, Kent area. Uh I don't know exactly uh where he was out of, but we, we met up through Vicks Marine and Sports Center, which I did miss their plug so I'm going to hit that up here soon but uh, Nick's also the owner of Aluma Metal Fab they do a lot of swim platforms and stuff so that was who installed mine but reach out to him if you're in the area that I was talking about and uh, tell him that you heard on the podcast and that brings me to Vix Marine Sports Center that's where we actually met Nick Uh, Vance actually met him and I believe Todd did too down there, but Vance made the first contact at Vic's open house this past spring. Vic is a big Ranger dealer. Uh, in fact, in the past, they were the number one volume dealer for Ranger in the country, which is pretty impressive. I don't know. I don't know what that means in terms of like actual numbers. Did they sell 50,000 boats? Did they sell 50? I'm not sure, but they got the award. For uh, the volume dealer, uh, they sell Starcraft, Starwell, Tritons, Ranger boats, the Ranger aluminum boats. They have full service uh, mechanics and both new and used boats. So be sure to check out Vix Marine um, if you're in our area, and uh, tell them that you heard it on the AZ podcast. All right, I'm done with my plugs. Let's let's hear about your uh, your fishing rods now.
1: Well, and I'll keep it short. Uh, you talk St. Croix, my buddy uh, Scott. He he does SH Fishing Sticks again, custom rods, unbelievable, great to work with, and and uh, I've talked a million times on this podcast. Just that custom feel, uh, tailored to exactly to what you want. Just just slightly changes that fishing experience, and, and for those days you don't catch fish, at, at least you feel, feel good with the custom gear. So <laughs> so I highly recommend it, and, and his services so. That There's my plug.
0: That's your plug? Nice. That's it. Yep. Okay. So, I alluded to it, I don't know, about 50 times during my little 10 minutes of plugs here. So, last week, the week of the 4th of July. So, the 4th was Sunday. Yep. Um, it's been our shop tradition at work that we, we close a week. And with it falling on the Sunday and just how everything was, we decided to take the week after the 4th. We we shut the shop down for a little bit of, uh, I, I don't really want to call it a vacation, but like a catch-up period. You know, we, we go so hard, you know, for m- the majority of the year, you know, doing overtime every week, trying to get everyone, you know, we're, we're very service-oriented at work. So when we, it's very hard to take, and say like, hey, this guy's going to be gone this day. This guy's going to be gone this day. I'm going to be gone these couple days. It just really muddles up the flow of stuff. So we found that it's just much less headache to just say we're shutting everything down. No one's coming in. And that way, you know, the the my coworkers and myself, we can go and get stuff done that we've been wanting to get done like around the house or maybe, you know, take a short trip somewhere, but regardless Monday through Friday, we're done. Don't bother us. So it's a nine day weekend and the last, what, three or four years, we've kind of made it our tradition to go walleye fishing. Right. Gosh,
1: because it's, it, it coincides with the same week. I usually take off every year. So it's just worked out well.
0: It, it's worked out well. And, it's It's very nice because you know i've th- there's been some joking complaints about my time frame to go in and try to catch these fish um <laughs> about getting up beyond reasonably early to do this, and I've explained many times in the past I just don't want deal with I just don't want to deal with people at the boat launch and holiday <laughs> weekends and stuff and and Steve is like. Never not here. When he needs to be here, he's here. So that that makes it a lot easier to to get this stuff done. Because you know, I'm not going to hold it against somebody, but it surely messes it up. If like, hey, the weather looks good on this day, let's go ahead and go fishing. And like, okay, what time do you want to be here? How about you be here at like three to three fifteen? And then <laughs> by the time you get a hold of them, it's five o'clock, and they overslept or something like that. <laughs> It kind of ruins the stuff because if I would have like left and they're like, "Hey man, I was trying to get a hold of you. Your phone wasn't ringing. I was stuck in the ditch. I hit a deer and flipped the truck over, and you still went fishing without me." And it's just nice to know that. So, anyways, <laughs> load up the boat. And there's a there's a part of me that's like, man, I started this boat about a month ago in the driveway. Let's <laughs> hope this thing. Work. Let's hope this thing works. Not only that, but. I also have this power mask that I made that I have no idea if it's going to work. And we're going to find <laughs> out when we're five miles offshore in the pitch black. The only <laughs> thing I got is my headlamp and the glow from the lowest light setting on the fish finder. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: we were, we were taking a lot of risk.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that, that's one of those things. You just got to kind of have to let it fly and hope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... I had everything all ready. You know, it's been ready for a while because, um, I just never, never was able to break free to go fishing. So we, uh, we go, we get up there and like I thought we were the first ones there. We launched, we got out, we started going and, um, there was a lot more wind than we anticipated. Yep. (laughs) Only it was, it was a good direction of wind. Okay. It was a good direction of wind in terms of waves. It's a horrible direction of wind in terms of trolling. Yeah. So since we're on the south shore of Lake Erie, um, when you have a south wind, the wind's coming off the land and blowing out in the lake. So you one could imagine that the water closest to the land, even though there's high wind, you're not going to have the waves that right. you would on the north side of the lake where it has whatever, 30-plus miles of open water, to get wave action going and the wind was was going pretty good i i don't remember yeah. exactly but it was probably a constant 15 or more
1: yeah high teens i'd say
0: and you know so when we're running out there it's not bad because we're going with the wind and by the time we get to where we want to set up and whatever you know we can feel it, it it's it's always there <laughs> it's not like you just forget about it
1: <laughs> yeah um, it's, it's always pushing you out to sea. <laughs> it's, yes,
0: this is a this is a wind you don't want if you have motor problems.
1: You'll <laughs> be picked up quick by uh, Border uh, Patrol.
0: Right. Yeah, they, they, they're going to be there. Hey, you have to turn around and come back. <laughs> like, well, we're at the mercy here. I mean. <laughs> well,
1: we'll have to wait for a wind change.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going to be out here a while. I mean, I don't know what you want us to do, but. <laughs> Luckily, we didn't have motor problems. And if we did, I had the kicker and I also had the bow mount yeah. that I wouldn't probably pull us in, but I could probably spot lock us decent yeah. at five miles out. Um, we would do a lot of jigging, though. We'd probably catch a limit if we're stuck up there. One, yeah,
1: <laughs> while we wait for the Coast Guard or USA Tow,
0: <laughs> Right. Um, so we get out there, and it's it's dark, and... I try to have a couple rods ready to go. Nothing's worse than trying to set up, like a complete setup. When you're out in the middle, of, like bobbing around and it's completely blackout. And, you know, we get out there and I, you know, I drop a couple dipsies back, I drop some flat lines back, and you know, we're we're going. we we kick it into gear, we're moving along, and now I'm gonna jack around with these planer boards, having no idea if it's gonna work or not. And I also had If you guys recall, last year, on one of my last trips, I lost a planer board in the lake. And it's not like, oh, you lost a little yellow offshore. No, this is like a 30-inch long by, I don't know, 18-inch wide, triple wood big board. And
1: And these are not in lines. They do not attach to anybody's line. It has its own mast cable
0: system with it. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, it fell out of the boat somewhere running in. And I know that it sounds stupid. I literally had no idea until I put the boat on the trailer. Like, Hey, I'm down a board. Did you (laughs) happen to like take it? But (laughs) so I had to make a new board in the off season, which, you know, is really hard when you have whatever 330 days to figure it out. Um, So I got a new board and I'm, I had two tie points on my big boards. I was playing around with how it pulls and whatever. And I forgot which tie point I use. And so I'm like in the middle of the lake. I'm like, I hope this is it. And luckily I guessed right. So I put both boards out. And as I explained on the last podcast, I have a boat winch as my power planer board mast. And I, the way I have it is I have one, not two. Most planer board masts have two reels and I didn't want to put two winches on my mast. So I, I'm, I'm sharing a spool which I haven't really seen anyone do. I'm not saying it hasn't been done. I just haven't seen it. And I I peeled off enough line to where I could get the boards out. I hooked up my little pull-down lines. If anyone knows here what I'm talking about, I have release clips on these lines, and I don't want them flowing all the way down to the planer board because I won't have use of them because they're way away from the boat. So I put, like, these dog leash-type things on to keep these releases from sliding down to the board. They stay within arm's reach and then... I have, like, a little gate system that I use um, when I put a, a line on a release and send it down the line just so I don't lose more releases. Um, I did a horrible job explaining that. But anyways, I get enough line, throw the boards in the water, both of them. Now we're pulling the boards. They might be 20 feet off the side. And I throw the winch in neutral, uh, the the, the uh, boat winch that I have all my line on. And... Things spin out. I'm like, hey, this is doing pretty decent. I lock it, let the boards kind of catch up, get running, open it back up, close it two or three, four times doing that. I have enough line out on the boards. I'm happy. I'm like, this is nice. That worked out. So now the only challenge is going to be when we have sunlight, are they going to come in with the winch and my cordless (laughs) drill? So, um. That's not for a while. Let's not worry about problems that could happen in the future.
1: So let me let me ask you a question, if you don't mind, because you're explaining this, and obviously I understand it because I was there with you, right? And I don't mean to, to, to derail things, but you know, most of your your listeners obviously are musky fishermen. How many musky fishermen actually use a system like that? Because you know, most of the guys I know use like the inline, but are there guys who actually put out the mast and the boards and the the clips and
0: it's it? m- it's more popular in St. Clair.
1: Where they could, then they have a huge turning radius. Where
0: you have room to turn around, yes. Um, there have been guys on Chautauqua that have, you know, inst- and use masts. I have seen, I believe, in the past years to where some of the tournaments have said no masts. Oh, okay. um, you know, the thing is, is like the mast is great. If you have boards that pull hard enough and you yeah. can keep tension in the line, you can set those things out really far. But yeah. they don't have to be really far. You could set them out, you know, thirty, forty, fifty feet off each side. Yeah, because those boards offer a stability to the boat that that just keep it planted. Yeah, and it and it's it's nice there. But in in a lake or an area that you have a recreational population, they look at that <laughs> and they're like, "What is this?" And you get those people that skim, you know, buzz the boats even though they shouldn't be up on plane at that distance, you know, it it can be a headache because you could get some pontooner that really has no clue of anything. Go and (laughs) sit down in front of you and not realize that, Like, Hey, you're not turning quick. You can't turn there. There there is a delay on actually getting a good turn on these. Yeah. The, the more length of planer board line you have out, the more room that you need to turn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is utilized in musky fishing, but it, it's probably down low on the chart, right, near right, downriggers. Right. So, <laughs>
1: wait, musky guys use downriggers? On occasion. Man, okay. On occasion. Okay, sorry about that. That was just my no. Side. So,
0: anyways, we start off the day with a bang. Um, we're setting up. We have one rod go off. We're not even on the. We're not even hooked up on the boards yet. So it's just a flat line on a crankbait. Steve reels it in. It's a nice, probably three pound class fish. You know, twenty four incher. Good way to start off the day. We kind of get some stuff a little bit more. You know, I don't know. We're, we're we're rocking and rolling a little bit better. We're probably ten minutes into the troll, and yep. I I set it. I set the dipsy back another twenty feet, just trying to gauge where hey where are these active fish at. And the bo- the rod rips has like a good rip. Like, like, oh, geez, like no mistaken, this thing got hit and it was actually in my hands and I'm like, well, this feels weird. I reel it in and line broken, gone, bait <laughs> gone. Well, geez, that, you know, that was 15 pound fluoro that I bought last year. It shouldn't have been junk, but that's a big, butt. um, then a little bit, not, not too long after that, we had another fish hit crankbait, reel that one in. We got two in the boat. I'm thinking it's a done deal.
1: Easy day. We're, we're out before the sun's up.
0: We want six by six. And we, and we have two before five. Yeah. Two for three. And hindsight starts kicking in later. But <laughs> we go to where we were told to go. This is where they're at. They're, they're catching them good out here. And we're entering that zone. And womp, womp, just <laughs> holy crap nothing long stretches of nothing and let's just fast forward through some stuff we you know we occasionally pick one up here and there we're changing depths and changing depth on Erie is at least where we're at it's not a quick thing like hey just move us in 100 yards we're going to be in a different thing Uh uh-uh hey we're in 63 feet let's go try something like 53 feet okay yeah Let's give us like, 40 minutes to travel this half mile. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because <laughs> I got to weave in and out of everybody, and yeah. they're all running boards, and we're, you know, th- this is a game of timing. Like, <laughs> slow bumper boats, except you don't want to yeah. hit anybody. No. And um, But
1: like you said, everybody has boards out, so you got to give everybody a wide wide berth of like 100 feet, I and mean, when you got a ton of boats out there. <laughs> there's some navigation you really got to do
0: <laughs> and, and to a lesser extent but it needs to be at least noted when you're driving yeah. these guys are running 100 to 300 foot behind their boards yeah, so not only are right. they 200 feet wide but they're also say 300 feet long yeah that there is a yeah. chance if you cut them too close you're going to pick up their baits anyway
1: yeah so
0: yeah. we dipped Dive, duck, dodge, and whatever. And we we, we kind of move into some shallower water and some fish start popping. And during all of this stuff, that the dipsies ended up losing, what, four baits? Yep. And it's it's all the fluoro was breaking. I don't know why, but um just whatever. And then we had a another line break, which was surprising to me because it was on fifteen pound braid. It was one of our crankbaits. Yeah, and you know, we we get excited because there's just been some year classes of fish out on Erie that are very small right now. They're just they're they're not to the size yet, and you get these thirteen and a half to sixteen, seventeen inches that barely register a hit when you're trolling. Mm-hmm. So when we have a line that comes off the board. The, like the, the mass line, we, we call them a popper because it popped the line. And that's just something that we made up. I think Vance actually started it years ago with us because yeah, we have a out, popper.
1: It pops out of that clip. It yeah. pops
0: out of the clip. So we have a popper. We had a popper, and I've been letting Steve reel them all in. Um
1: Now, I don't know if anybody ever remembers, but when we talked last year, remember I lost every dang fish to the point I didn't want to touch a rod, but this year I didn't lose any. So I, I was like the heavy hitter this year, man. I, I felt good about it.
0: Yeah, you you redeemed yourself. But um Yeah, because you, you kept breaking them off. <laughs> I yeah, my dipsies just kept breaking. So anyways, I'm I've come up with a plan to change that. So here in the next eleven months when I get out again I'll yeah, you, we can implement to this think. plan.
1: <laughs> you get the virtual fish for eleven months to see how it works.
0: Yeah, I can I just clean up the boat. That's all I need to do. <laughs> yeah. Might as well put the cover back on. So um but one one crazy thing that happened was we had a popper and you, you took it. And it's just, it's, don't ask me how this happens. But, like, every year, there's this, like, we were in, like, 55 foot of water. This crankbait isn't getting down more than 40. Yeah,
1: it's probably, like, 35 feet. 35 feet. it's 20 feet feet off
0: the bottom. 20 feet off the bottom, and the rod just buckles. Peel and drag constant. It's peeling drag at the pace of the boat. Yeah, exactly. Like, I hooked a dead body or something. Or, I, I... could it have been like an anchor rope, just kind of floating mid column? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But think of the odds of hitting a rope with a crankbait in the middle of a lake,
1: Lake Erie. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Anyways, that was the one big exciting break off, and it just you know you made the decision like it's going to spool you, or I'm going to bear down. You bared down, and it popped. We didn't lose well, too much line.
1: No, but but the thing it goes back to the point when you got these boards out you're just not stopping and putting it in reverse.
0: No, it takes a lot to...
1: Yeah, and then whatever I snagged, <laughs> like I said, it was not moving. It was just peeling out as fast as we were going away. Um, So I was a uh, good to hand and break the rod, but...
0: Oh, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, those $20 rods are just so expensive. Yeah,
1: you know, well, you know, but all rods matter, you know. That. Okay, yes, I forgot.
0: So... <laughs> um... but so
1: the goofy thing, and, you know, you're dying to know what the heck it was. What on earth is, like, it's, suspended in the middle of the lake, you know.
0: I, I have no idea, but like it, it does, it makes you like, what was that? Yeah, but we'll never know. I lost. I, I lost, lost I think the hot it was bait.
1: Sixty-inch muskie my my estimate.
0: Yeah, but there was no rod pumping. Like there was no. Sure. It was just a solid weight. But anyways,
1: <laughs> I we, can dream.
0: Yeah, we we uh, we ended up bringing home six fish. We had a couple highs, a couple lows. I'm not going to dwell on it too much but it was it was not the day i thought we were going to have we were fighting the wind the whole time when i turned into the wind just how everything was i was taking some of the bigger ones over the bow it was washing out the slime and the snot from the fish on the on the flooring which was great and um you know overall everything ran good and then the moment of truth came i pull out the electric drill we brought all the rods in Time to see how this thing goes. And I believe the boat was in gear, but it was just yep. an idle. It wasn't like flying. Nah. And I tried it in the in low range, low gear. So low range on the drill and low gear on the thing, and it pulled it in just fine. I clicked it in. I, I took from low range drill to the high range gear on the thing. It pulled it in good. And I said, hey, get your phone out and film this midway, you know, when I was doing that. <laughs> I put the... the um, the drill in high gear, on high range of the of the winch, and I hit go, and that thing, man, did it bring those things in quick. Those well, boards were jumping coming in. They
1: were skipping off the surf. But what the wild thing was, like you said, sometimes you have a winch for each one. So you got two lines coming in. He made his kind of like own little worm gear, not a worm gear, but kind of a, a I have separator. A th-
0: yeah, so like if you could envision like a pair of glasses without the lenses, yeah, I had exactly. the each each line go through each eye eye yeah. piece to keep them from not like Cross becoming over one and, and having yeah. a giant mess. So they kind of have like two little piles of their own line. They do bump into each other, but these line guides keep yeah, them keep primarily them up, separate. It was
1: slick as heck, man. He was he was he <laughs> had that cranked on high, and you see these two massive of wood. Uh, a uh, uh, three, there's, there's a series of three boards just skipping across the two foot waves.
0: It it worked <laughs> it out wild. really, really well. Yeah, I was that's, shocked, that's and I'm gonna say I want more time on it, but you know I'll post up a photo or something here soon. But it uh, worked.
1: That, that's a testament to your like mad scientist mind in a mechanical world. Because I don't know who on earth ever would have thought of something like that. But that gun it worked flawlessly.
0: Well, I mean. I I said on the last show, it, the price that they're charging from these other major trolling outfits, like that, that set up boats. Yeah. It's justified because I look at them and they are very well made. They look incredible. That price is justified, but I'm just like, man, I can't justify it for what I'm doing. I wanted to year (laughs) for a couple trips a year. And (laughs) like I I mean, other than I I already had my mast made, but I had 50 bucks in Amazon stuff and I utilized my line. I had to cut out a plate at work and fasten it onto the mast. But other than that, I mean, for like a realistic $150 or less, you, you got it to where, take your cordless drill. I have to drop that drill many times in the water. Yeah,
1: to even make up to the to, price to e- of the other
0: one. To even make it up, and if I drop it, it's more than likely falling in the boat because it's not boat, hanging. Man. It's not hanging out the side. But nonetheless, I was I was happy with that. I told this whole story to talk about the mast.
1: Well, so but th- so here's the, the, the takeaway. So the mast was killer. Um, uh, the flooring was unbelievable. Uh, I was re- comfortable to fish with. It was kind of soft. The water that would come over the bow we kind of just go run right down those uh, grooves. And then when I hit the flooring, and would pick up any type of spl- crap on the flooring and take it right down the drain. So that was a success. The boat ran well. Even though we were in, in, in two, sometimes three-footers, we didn't drown. Um, we lost a few lures, you know, on on the bottom or, or corpse or whatever I hooked in the middle of the lake. <laughs> um, you know, and then the fishing wasn't the greatest, but the walleye we got were nice. I mean, from a, a pound standpoint, we probably equaled what we had last year because they were just in the mid twenties. That good three to four pound fish, where last year a lot of them were like touching that minimum line. So, I'm calling it a success, man. And we got to hang out, so that was always fun.
0: Yeah, it, it was. It was good, and I didn't. I didn't get any calls from from home saying where are you. You didn't either. So so we we had a little bit of freedom there to where you're not worrying about the clock all the time because that's that sucks when you're like under that under that pressure. So
1: yeah, so it's a good day.
0: Good day. So I'll keep you guys posted on the on the 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 winch mast. (laughs) And um, I mean, I will say this: it is not the quietest. Bringing it in, those gears are not meant to spin at seventeen hundred RPM.
1: No. But but I'll be honest. When you stuck in high gear, I said, "All right, I'm going to film this because I was expecting like gears and everything to just start falling apart,
0: springs popping out, and sparks." Yeah, and but
1: but man, it
0: it, it held. So it was cool. It held, and it's also I'm looking at like the duty cycle of this. Yeah, you yeah. know what? It, it might it might not be rated for that RPM, but it's going to do it three minutes yeah. a year.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. You <laughs> you know. Yeah. So It should, it should withstand it.
0: it. It should. It should last me until I need another $28 free shipping winch from Amazon. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So then then it led into, you know, just how the week was going. Uh, Steve invited me the following morning t- on his boat to musky fish the local lake here. And at first I'm like, you know, I got to figure some stuff out. And I'm like, what? Well, you know what? You said you want to get off the water by nine. We started five. I can't see why not. Why don't let's just go do it. And in that time, I'm like, this is, we're going to kill a bunch of birds here. I'm going to bring the three baits for the next bait testing show. Yeah. I'm going to test them. Steve's going to test them. We're going to get them with the Vance and Todd. So I'm going to have a little bit of insight with it. I, yeah,
1: but I see this time you can contribute. <laughs> I can
0: contribute. I can contribute a little bit to it. I did not, Spent tons of time with them. Um, Steve's put some time in. We 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 minimized our talk about what we felt these baits did, so we can kind of keep a genuine like observation without influencing each other.
1: Yeah, right, right, right. Well, yeah, it was fun because you, you wouldn't tell me anything because mm-hmm. I wasn't watching you in the back, and then I, I start fishing the bait, and the one kind of surprised me, and, and you're like, "Yeah, I was hoping you'd see that." <laughs> yeah, so. So, so it, was, it was cool. We kept it as uh, unbiased and uninfluenced as we could.
0: But one of the major, th- major things, the major draw right now, and we an, hinted on this on a previous podcast about your active target. Yes. Oh, man. Okay. So give a rundown on what that is.
1: Okay. So I talked, you know, a, a few shows ago. and So I, Lorenz came out with this new technology. And I'm sure everybody's heard about the uh, Garmin uh, LiveScope. It's kind of like that sonogram type of look into the belly of the lake. Everything's live in front of you, moving around. So Lorenz came out with their version. I just had to have it, so I upgraded everything on my boat to get this. And last I reported, I I had quite a few trips fishing, uh, bass fishing, and on Lake Erie and structure and smallmouth and that kind of stuff. But I did not yet test it for muskie. So uh, since then, I had quite a few trips, fortunately, for musky with this, and Andy came out on the boat and got to see it in action. So um, you know, th- this isn't necessarily a discussion of wow, this technology changes everything. And and you know, we brought up some points in the last podcast. So I'm not gonna rehash you into know, some of the usefulness of it. But what this did was really open my eyes to musky behavior that you just do not see. Because when you're fishing what you're getting a glimpse of is when that fish is following or whatever the clarity is of the depth you can see and so when you see the fish you see them reacting that's what you see but my goodness and, and to i that could point, not believe well yeah go on
0: and to that point what you are seeing is behavior induced by hand of man yeah very i mean i have in the wild been you know going in the shallows and stuff and just look down and see muskies doing musky stuff. But it's most of the time it has to do with some kind of bait presentation. Right. And their reaction to it, whether it's a low slow lazy follow or coming in hot. That, but, but
1: and that's all within the glimpse of what you see though.
0: That's the um, that's only what you can see.
1: Now what blew my mind was the behavior of these fish that you don't see, and I, I mean it—it it, it was unbelievable to see how their movements were, their reactions were—all the stuff I could not physically see with my polarized glasses. Um, and so that's the part I think we—I'd really like to hit on, if you don't mind, Andy—is it's not necessarily hey, this technology is going to change your life, but the behavior that's happening that I don't know if a lot of musky fish realize, because I certainly didn't until I uh, had this technology. Um, and it's just, it, it, it was incredible seeing uh, some of the things they're doing. And, and, and you know, I think as we tell some of these stories, people were going to relate like, oh, I had that happen. But using this act of target, I, I think, gives you the rest of the story of, of what may have occurred, because I've seen a lot of it. It wasn't like it was an isolated one-time thing. A lot of the things we're going to talk about happen on many occasions because since so the numbers. Let me go by the numbers just from using this. I think I've had like thirty-eight follows. Uh, I don't know how many fish on four or five fish on. Um, you know, I've had uh, uh, fish caught. You know, so so the the sample size is is, is uh, larger than just uh, one day with two isolated follows. So I'm starting to see more and more behavior with this that's consistent that I never knew was there because you couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. So that's the part. And those are the things I, I would like to like talk about, because I think that's of interest um, to, to people. And, and this is the technology that allows us discussion to occur.
0: So how do you want to so, do this? Do you want to talk about behavior or do you want to kind of break down some of the events of, of the day that we had and then well, talk let's about go, them? Let,
1: let's go about how about behavior. And then, because some of those happened the day we fished but some okay. of them uh, did. So uh, I think the one thing that was uh, most shocking to me is the, is the follows. Okay, mm-hmm. everybody's used to seeing that musky follow, but what I was blown away is the number of follows you actually get without seeing it. And these are those fish. And I know you had this happen, Andy, because you were bringing your lure in, and we could see the lure on the screen. And down, down below, is like six or seven feet below your lure, where it's outside the visibility of the water. Here comes the follow. And the following of these fish that are so deep all the way to the boat uh, happens a lot of times that you just don't know. Because I'm telling you, out of like those 38 follows, I'd say uh, maybe 10 to 12 were ones I could not see with my eye, but it was on the active target of that fish being low. And so that goes back to that, you know, people always say, make sure you do that figure eight because you don't, even though you don't see the fish, well now I get why, because there's more followings happening than I think we realize, and it's triggered or those fish are a lot deeper than than we realize and and so I know you saw that firsthand
0: I saw that now also i i wanna i forget what this old time legend said i i i, I want to think it was tom gell but i i I don't know if this is accurate or not if he said this, but he brought up a a point that if you want to be the most efficient and you're fishing two people out of a boat, one person should be figure eighting. The other person should be casting. So Mm. you got to have it, you know, timed in such that at any given time, someone's figure eighting. So the guy in the front makes a cast. When he gets his cast in, he figures eight. The guy in the back picks out his figure eight casts. When he, when the guy in the back brings in his bait, that's when the guy in the front Stops figure eighting, and the guy in the back starts to figure eight. That's a lot of freaking work.
1: Well, I mean, if you, if you get coordinated really well, but you know, if you make a bomb cast, the poor guy's figure for days. Yeah, you got one guy
0: burning a bucktail, the yeah. other guy with like a really slow jig. Yeah, or glide bait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you yeah, keep going for five minutes, I'll get in.
0: But, okay, I'm not saying that that's something you have to do. I've gotten no. like one real fish on a true figure eight I've caught a lot doing some kind of maneuver at the boat or at my feet on the bank but an actual true figure eight I've got one to where I'm like man that felt good but it's it's one of these also like you could do the best figure eight of your life and you could have out of a hundred of these deep follows maybe one would materialize like there's a reason that they're deep like they i that, that's yeah. kind of the way i feel is that there's a reason that they're down deep and they're just looking up at this. Yeah. Um well
1: and that, so you know and maybe that lends us to the next behavior we saw. Uh there's well there's two behaviors that kind of relate to that. But um okay so yeah so the, the deep falls again i think they're happening a lot more and from this active target um demonstrating that kind of behavior Uh, I think we're just getting a lot more, quote-unquote, action, if you will. Okay, so the question you brought up is, how do you trigger that? Because that's a lazier follow. Is that an inactive fish? And so what I tried to do is when I had those lazy follows that were deep like that, I'd hurry up and switch a bait, okay? And so the odd thing is it almost didn't matter what I threw. There was one case I threw three different baits, and the fish you know, because after he kind of stopped the follow and after I did my figure eight, he kind of, if he started swimming away, I'd throw another bait back out and here he came back in. And, I, you know, the whole time I never left the screen, but through, through those three baits, he had interest, but I didn't get a trigger. Um, so that's where a lot more, in, in a sense, experimentation is because what good is, is having this technology to help you see more activity and more behavior if you can't convert? So I, I, that's kind of the next phase of experimentation that I got to figure out. Do I need to get like some kind of rubber jig (laughs) that falls down. I I don't know.
0: Okay. So like I'm going to play devil's advocate here because the last time that we were discussing this, there was, there was not like, I I would say that it felt like there was skepticism from some critics uh um, about this. And the way I see this is, and I'll bring this point back up later, knowing that there's fish in an area plays psychological effects on you when you could just say, I haven't seen a fish over in this whatever section of the lake. But if you're actually like, man, I'm getting some low lazy follows and stuff. It it leaves mental check marks going off in your brain. Like, you know what? No, one's fishing this. Everyone thinks there's no fish here or, you know, whatever. When the conditions turn right,
1: this is worth me
0: to pay, to pay a little more attention here. Don't, don't write it off yet
1: well and and so that's the one thing i noticed with this too uh you know you're always looking for that fish activity and you're right you know the first time i used it i i, I was getting these deep follows that i didn't see fish physically so on a normal day without this i would have kept going and just went somewhere else okay but because i saw wait a minute there's fish here i concentrated more and the action like you said when they get to that point it turns on you're in fish and so your confidence of how your fish is higher and, and you know, you, you don't have that waning because you know you're going over fish and you know once that window opens, they're going to start hitting. And so, excuse me, seeing that lazy behavior kind of identifies that there's fish there. So there's value in that. Um, again, I still would love to be able to just trigger that strike. But um, just knowing they're there definitely increases the confidence and changes a little bit maybe how you're... It's you know, a, it's you're a mental
0: them. investment that might not pay off that trip. Well,
1: but... But also it goes into, you know, like you said, uh the moon phases. People were big into that and, and, and so you might take, hey, I got a lot of deep follows here. Guess what? That's like three or four fish I identified. Let me try it. Moonrise, whatever it may be, I'm coming back. You know. So I think that helps with that kind of identification too. You know. hmm So all right, so you know, we talked about the the low deep follows you don't physically see and how much how much more that happened than I realized. We talked about, you know, these low follows, these fish are interested. They came in uh, over and over. It just didn't, it, it didn't matter what I was throwing. Um, uh, you know, they kind of still had the interest, but never triggered. So those were kind of two behaviors I saw. But again, I couldn't see any of these physically with my eyes. I mean, the, you know, the water clarity was actually decent, but it was still only probably like three feet. So, you know, those fish that are four or five feet down behind your bait, I never saw, but you, you see them clear you know, and you saw it. It's clear as day on the active target. You know what the heck it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but another, so this was probably one of the most amazing things that I found interesting. Um, so a lot of these fish that do these deep follows, they stay under your boat. Um, and I'm talking for not just a little bit, like I had one fish follow and he stayed under the boat and I probably drifted 200 yards and the dang fish stayed the whole time. He was just like deep underneath me.
0: And, and you kept them on the target. <clears throat>
1: The whole time He's right below me he just drifted with me the whole way and kind of you see him moving around and then so i, I do like a real deep kind of figure eight it kind of react a little bit but he he wouldn't come up and he just stayed there and just kept drifting
0: the whole time um and, and and to let people know you have this set on like a 40 foot range
1: well so yeah it looks out 40 feet uh in the front in the forward mode and about 15 feet behind and so you kind of know where you are and you can kind of see where the fish is so they're kind of just like like I said, they're directly – it was almost like it was using the boat as cover. And I'm not talking once. I'm talking this happened a lot, 10, 12 times, that a fish would come in, some kind of follow, and then he just stays under the boat. And then at some point, he either just starts slowly entering away or something. <clears throat> so all those times that – and that could go back to what you said about casting and figure eighting, because if you bring in a deep follow, and this fish is now hanging under the boat. Maybe that next guy's baits. What's the trigger? Who knows? And I'm sure a lot of guys have like said, "Hey, he come from under the boat." Well, now I'm starting to understand that might have been a follow two or three casts before because these fish hang there, and it was incredible to see that. It like could I have said, been one, five
0: minutes earlier.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, and you knew where I was fishing. I was fishing the start of the one weed edge. Yep, and he'd fall, he fall. he he literally kind of swam with me under the boat to the end of the, the weed edge which was just like 200 yards. And then when I kind of got off it, then he kind of meandered off and then he was done with me. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: so, so that's another behavior that I think happens a lot that we just obviously don't know. Well, those I'm, I'm going to pick in. this
0: apart a little bit more. So <laughs> yeah, knowing this now, mm-hmm. it can give you prior to this, you could say, I always, you know, whatever. I always catch a fish. Off of, you know, when I line up with this house or whatever, and and it, c- it could be coincidental, but you could have pulled that fish off of its spot way far away. And mm-hmm. just whatever you did, maybe, you know, who knows? Coincidentally, it just happened to hit at the same spot or whatever. Well, it, it can give you a false perception of what you think a good spot is if this fish is rocketing up from the bottom or from under the boat. And so it's not, it's too. not, it's not your spot on the spot.
1: Well, but it's the thing too of, like you said, Hey, I, I remember catching a fish at this spot at this house. Well, you might've drew a fish in, he's still under the boat. And guess what? You're doing a strong figure eight. Cause you have that confidence now. And then here he comes, you know, I don't know, but it was just amazing that they're there. They're, they just, they hung there and, and they stayed for a while. Um, and, and that was really odd to me. I guess I never considered, you know, you think you have a follow, and you're like, oh, he swam off, or he went that way or something. But these deep follows that you don't see, a lot of those ended up with a fish just hanging out underneath me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that was just interesting. And so, you know, part of the things I, I probably should have done is maybe take a, one of your swimmers or something and then just drop it straight down and see what happens. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't do that. Why? I don't know. I just thought of it. So
0: <laughs> There's a lot of hindsight when... When when you're when you're looking at this stuff as yeah we have a video of myself doing something yeah. similar and yeah. and if you you know if we post it if we post it um, you'll hear me like I don't I I say on the video I don't know what else to do yeah it's like I, I've done everything well did you pick it up in Lower Town yeah okay well what else can you do well I don't know lower yeah. it some more rip it up well so it's like
1: can- we got to talk about that too because that was an interesting thing that I've seen a lot of as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll, that's another behavior. I'm yeah. telling going for days on this. Wait, behavior. Yeah.
0: Let's let let's go in your order. I kind of have some stuff written down. Okay. And
1: so, well, here was another goofy thing, and I can't explain this either. So we talked about the deep follows you don't see. Uh, we talked about the fish under the boat. So here's one. It only happened once, but it was really interesting. So again, uh, a fish came low, follow stays under the boat. Um, I cast out another lure, like 10, 15 feet, bringing in just to see if I could draw them out. Okay, nothing. So I took a second lure, cast out. Well, wouldn't you know it, in, in that 10-foot of cast, I start bringing it in. There's a fish following it. Now, this fish is hot and high, and I could see him. I look down on the screen. The fish that's under the boat rockets up, not for my bait, but goes after the other fish and scares them off, and then they both swim away. And it was the craziest thing because, you know, I just happened to look down. I happened to see this fish come up, and I look back, and then at this point I see them both, but they're swimming in opposite directions, and they were, he didn't come after the bait at all. It's almost like, D- dude, this is my boat. Don't you dare come underneath it. I'm having fun. And it, I, it was, you know, they talk about muskie's territorial, and I don't believe any of that stuff, but that behavior was really odd to me that he felt the need to come after this other <laughs> fish to chase him away.
0: Yeah, and, and you don't want to put so much credence on like the the power of the musky brain, but was no, he like, "Hey, stay away know. from this. I, I'm I'm the lifeguard here. Stay away."
1: Well, and it wasn't like it was a small one, and this is a big fish going after him. You know, they were similar sized fish, right? Uh, and, and so it's just another odd behavior. But I haven't had that repeated, so that's not one I want to say. Oh, it's consistent. It,
0: it was. It's noted.
1: Noted. It was. It was just. It was interesting to see. But again. I don't know if I'd have necessarily seen that. And I might have seen another fish come up, or maybe I'd have just saw the other fish swim away and not tried to pay attention to two directions because I, I knew what the catalyst of that was, you know, because sometimes fish just dart away for no reason, and you don't know. Well,
0: <laughs> well th- <laughs> don't there's you know, probably have... a reason, and this could have been it.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you and I, when we were fishing, remember? I had a fish come in hot, figure eight. He went around the first turn. I was, going, I was diving deep into the second, and then he just kind of took off one way. Yeah, so it could have been something I spooked them with. Who knows? But who's it could have been another fish, fish
0: under the boat. Did, that, know? I
1: don't know. I that, mean, like I said, that I I didn't have a repeat of that, but that was really something odd. You know? Uh,
0: okay, I'm going to probably say that you have had that repeated at some time, but just not any visual evidence to support it. I bet yeah. you all of us have had that.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was definitive. Like like I said, it just unfolded right in front of me on the screen, like I'm watching TV and, and then I heard him look up. And again, because I saw the one fish come up, streak up and I heard him, looked at the fish that was following. Cause I could see both of them on the screen. The one fish that got scared away, kind of spooked off to the left. And I saw the tail of the other one off to the right, you know? So it was like, what the heck, man, come on. You, you, you blocked me there.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's no fun.
1: Yeah. Um, so that was a, another, uh, interesting behavior, if you will. um, So another thing I noticed, and so, you know, we talked about hunting for fish and say, I'm not going to make a cast till I see a fish. Well, I realized that's extremely boring, number one. Number two, the cone is so narrow on this thing um, that it's more prudent if you see fish just to keep fishing because I've caught fish that were off screen, um, but I knew there were fish in that area. So I just wasn't trying to angle every time into this cone or, or wait to cast till I saw a fish. However... Over the, all the times that I was fishing, I did happen in eight instances to see a fish that wasn't like, you know, just making blind cast or fall it in. This was a fish. Hey, there's a fish over there, like 40 feet away. Okay, seven of those eight instances when I casted, that fish came in. It was the only one of them that when I cast, he kind of still meandered off to the right and didn't have interest. But, but that's fascinating to me to see that that level of interest is there. <laughs>
0: And you, this was open water?
1: Um, Weed-edged open water, yes.
0: Okay, so you weren't in the thickest stuff, you, you know, and you no. casted to them.
1: Right at them. I knew exactly where they were. I could see my bait land, and they, every one of them turned and came in. Now, now when, they, some, when they turned and
0: came, came in, were they visible from the naked eye, or were they, they followed on the screen?
1: Okay, so of the seven that followed in, four I couldn't see. They were on the screen. They kind of they turned and came in low follow. Three were visible, um, and one actually hit. So, um, yeah.
0: Okay, so you're looking at man. I, I it's even hard to try to quantify some numbers. I mean, we have such a kind of a we have a a reasonable enough data set here that we could start assigning some numbers, just crude numbers to things. But mm-hmm. so you could almost say that you're looking at 40% of the fish that you made a cast to. Oh gosh, that's not even, that gave visible follows, but you're really probably closer to more like 90% actually followed.
1: Yeah. And so it, it, maybe if I was a better musky fisherman, uh, the, the, the ones that were a little more, uh, you know, visible, I could have probably caught, but you know, <laughs> I'm not a figure eight master, so who
0: the heck knows? Yeah, you know, I think there's just there's a lot to just the mood of the fish, the, yeah. the 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 status of the lake, and all that stuff. But um, you know, so eight fish found, seven of them followed, three were visible. Yeah, kind of gives you a a number there. Now that doesn't mean that eight casts thrown, you're going to have fish coming in seven of those eight casts. These were directed straight at fish because you can have casts that just land next to no fish for a long time. Well,
1: and that's, that's what I'm wondering too. You know, we're we're getting follows and the density of fish aren't much. So, you know, when you get a follow, that might be that, that you just fish in the area. So again, I, I suspect these are curious fish and they give you more action. Um, Then, you know, whether it's a deep follow or what, because to have throughout the day, different times, different days, uh, you know, of those eight, seven to come in. So that makes me think, you know, when you're doing that casting and you get those follows, you're probably getting a high, uh, high uh, return of of these fish that you're getting your lure next to to come Mm -hmm. and just not ignoring it because. Uh, again, just to, to see it and not even, you know, just kind of fanning around and say, oh, shoot, there's one over there, and cast, and here it comes. You know, if, if there's a lot of quote-unquote rejection from these fish, you think out of those eight, maybe one would follow. But to have seven have that interest of the eight, you now granted, I didn't catch like seven of them, you know, um, but just to to, to know that they, they have that curiosity at that rate was, was interesting. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's We'll kind of wrap some some stuff up here rather than me giving small commentary stuff on it. What's another behavior?
1: Um, so another one that's interesting <clears throat> was you know these fish, and particularly when they were deeper, um, there's almost like a ceiling on them, and so this kind of goes deep. So we'll tell your story because when Andy and I were fishing, um, there was a guy fishing a weed edge that we were fishing, so we kind of went into open water. And in going into open water, we, we came across, uh, man, it was a pretty dang big school of what, perch
0: something. So, smaller schooling fish.
1: I mean, they littered the screen, so Andy took his swimmer, dropped it down and was jigging it, and all these fish were trying to, like, mate with it. He said, I could feel them bumping.
0: Well, yeah, so yeah, anyone out there, you know, playing around with, with a bait, like legitimately trying to catch a fish, and you could just feel, like, little, little taps on it. Yeah, And watching it on the screen, you could actually see these fish. I could see my bait, these fish coming up and hitting it. Now, mm-hmm. are they, are they, you know, they, are they kissing it? Are they just smacking into it? I don't know what they're doing, but they're coming up and they're nudging the bait that translates through the line, through the rod into my hand saying there's things going on. I look at the screen and it confirms these fish are kind of just like coming up like a swarm of bees around the bait, on and, they're, and they're doing things to it.
1: Now, what was the oddest thing, so this is happening, and then all of a sudden all these bait fish like part the ways.
0: You can see them exit left, exit right.
1: Right, just like Moses parting the sea, and then here comes a musky. And it's coming in, and it's like it's right on his bait. But what happens is as he's jigging it, he would jig it up, and I, I forget what the – let's say we're in 15 foot of water. This fish might have been like eight or nine feet down, okay? So Andy's, like, trying to bring him up so we can see him, but the, the the fish just stayed there. He didn't want to go above eight feet. And so Andy's like, I don't know what I do. And I said, well, drop the bait. And when you dropped it below, you see the fish. He nosed down on it, and he was re- you could almost see him kind of – he got a little more agitated. His tail was going a little more. He was nosing on it, and he was really reacting to Andy's bait. And then when Andy went above that, he wouldn't go any higher. And so Andy had this fish kind of going – uh, with this bait a little more active down below but when he brought it up it kind of lost interest to the point then he just kind of swam off and you see him swimming off to the right
0: yeah now and, we we took a video of this but we we only mm-hmm. captured the like last third yeah
1: crap we didn't get the parting of the seas that was the coolest part when all these beavers start yeah <laughs> i mean cuz
0: you just can't throw you can't just throw a phone on this thing and just watch it the entire time but yeah you know we we had this stuff going and then th- this this fish came in and I was I was just vertical jigging at this at this point, which yeah. it it's kind of it, it it puts you in a trance when you can see it on the screen, and that there's stuff down there, or that there could be stuff down there. Yeah, it's very addicting to do it that way. But so I have this fish, and like like Steve said, there's like this ceiling that this fish did not want to leave. No. This, it did not want to go shallower than this point, but when I dropped it down, the fish didn't immediately hammer down on it, but that fish no. came down and it lined itself up with the bait to where I changed my grips and I was ready to like put the wood to her.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, because his, I mean, it, 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 it nosed into it to the point where it was almost hard to differentiate one from the other. It didn't have that separation anymore like there
0: was, you know? Yeah. And it's like, okay, so these things are either lined up or this fish is about to hit, but at a certain point, you're like, well, "Well, what more do I do? I mean, <laughs> any any deeper, I'm on the bottom, and this fish yeah. is not coming up for this thing, but it did come down for it. Yeah, and you know, so I'm doing like little vibrating jigs, and I'm doing some like let it down a foot, rip it up hard, two feet, trying to keep it in the zone, and it was there. However, if there was no sonar on it, you would have never known it was there. No it clue. never it never transmitted anything through the bait. And no. eventually the fish just kind of lost interest and then just swam away.
1: Yeah. and But so, so there was an, that's another behavior I noticed that particularly in some of these deeper following fish, whenever I drop my bait or my fly, they always kind of nose down on it. All right. But like you said, their interest increased once it went below this kind of fake ceiling they were had above them but I still couldn't get them to trigger it. It's like you said, once it falls down, what, what do you do? You know, you, you're going to rip it up again or jig it, and they, they seem to either— you know, When you're vertical
0: know. jigging, there's not a lot of side movement. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you can kind of do some stuff, but you're also kind of limited to where you don't want to leave the sonar band because, you, yeah. you know, you just you don't know what this fish is going to do. But, you know, I have some theories of why that fish wouldn't come up. Being the amount of boat pressure on this lake and the Mm -hmm. depth that this fish was in, it's probably much less turbulent at those depths. The props and stuff are not messing with things. Granted, this is very early in the morning. But even still, did it have something to do with the amount of uh, light transmitting? By the time it gets down, whatever, half a dozen, eight, nine feet, there's enough dilution of light that it's dark. And it just feels safer down there. Uh, like I said earlier, the boat traffic, was there something to do with the temperature that it wanted to be in an oxygen level? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe, you know, that there could be some other like uh, underwater structure, you know, like th- there's been uh, articles published that, you know, let's just say you have a first break at, you know, you have a hard break line at 12 feet and you go out to 25 feet off of that first break you might find a lot of those fish suspending at 12 foot because that's right. what the shelf is at in yeah. the near shore. I don't know. But. Well, I don't, and,
1: and that was. So, again, the behavior is there's something keeping those fish from coming up, but however, they're more than willing to go down. Um, was and it because like they
0: lost sight of it?
1: Well, it could be because, you know, with some of those deeper follows, I started experimenting with dropping that, like I said, my fly or something. Um, now, again, I never drop with a fish hanging under the boat. I'm, I'm not sure why. But when they would come in and I'd do a figure eight and they'd kind of stay below and then I'd drop it, you'd see them go down with it. I mean, they'd now want to inspect this thing. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure what else to do to trigger that. But definitely once you they got below this kind of weird ceiling on these low follows, and in your case, it was a no-go zone. But, daggone it, they were more than willing to engage, um, at least from the – uh, visual aspect of the electronics and not necessarily taking it. But, you know, in that, like you said, when when you went lower, that thing came down on it and he he was kind of moving quicker with it. And then when you're kind of ripping it up, you kind of lost interest. So it's just another odd behavior that you're just never going to see. You never know. And it's it's happening. It happened a lot, not just, oh, hey, here's one incident. It's, it's these deep follows and they seem to be more than willing to go below them. So I don't know why.
0: Yeah, and, and to make a note on this, this was the first time in a very actually I don't want to say a very long time to where I was fishing out of someone else's boat that was also fishing. Uh so I was I was a passenger in the back and you were holding the boat a little bit deeper than I typically would. I and and just on most of the drifts, not that I'm complaining about this, but mm-hmm. it was interesting from that standpoint to see you know, a lot of times that boat was in the mid to upper teens in depth and we were casting to the shallows. There was a lot more fish out of those weeds than I expected.
1: Yeah. Well, and and again, it's kind of my style. I like the more open water because I've I've found that there seems to be more fish a little bit away from those weeds than necessarily tucked up against them. And so, I don't know, in the morning we fished, what do we have, like six follows and, and two hits? You know what I mean? And, and we didn't fish long. Um, so, you know, it's a different approach to most of the guys who get right near that weed edge and cast into the we, weeds. We had and, and, we
0: had more than two hits. I, th- I thought we we had a guaranteed – we had three hits, I thought maybe four.
1: Well, so, the okay. So I don't know which ones you're counting or not, but that's another behavior that we saw. When, when Andy was bringing his line in, I was watching the active target, and a, a, I saw a streak go up. And I said, man, you just got hit. And he goes, oh, no, I just felt a tick. And I said, I'm telling you, something just crushed your bait. And he said, it felt no different than, like, if I kind of hit a wheat. And I said, buddy, that was a hit fish.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was one of the one stories I wanted to bring up was things that go bump. Yeah. So, yeah, I was uh, I was fishing a swimmer a lot for, for two reasons. One, we're, we're trying out the Gen 2. And I wanted a bait that I wasn't going to be fighting to keep down deeper which is how we were holding the boat. I'm like, well, this thing sinks without me having to do anything. So I was doing a lot of mid-column jigging. I'd let the bait sink down, you know, whatever, two, three, four count, and then rip it, reel up the slack, let it sink. And you can mm-hmm. watch it. And it, there was a lot more vertical movement that I was doing that I that I didn't realize I was putting that much vertical movement on. Mm-hmm. I was thinking I was doing like two or three foot, but I'm, I'm spanning more like a five-foot plus. Right. and 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 with these rips and i was you know i was you know in midway through and i just i felt just a little think just it went through the rod and i'm like okay that was something and and you just happened to be watching and you're like man you just got hit and i'm like um, i don't it okay i didn't get any hooks into it because i'm still reeling but yeah. this was not no bumping into a carp kind of thing you actually watched it actively try to grab the bait
1: Oh, it streaked up, went right at it. And I I was expecting you to turn around and rear back, but you you didn't even react except for, oh, I just, you know, yeah, something tipped it, but.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it was just a quick little, if if you, if you did like a flick, you, you flicked it, that that's all it was, was just the slightest little thing. The fish came up and I don't know, did it slap it? Did it just bump into it? If it wanted it, I felt it would have eaten it, but yeah I, I mean, it I came in hard it
1: was it was a, a and that happened once to me too. I could see my bait and I saw the streak, but because there was a slight delay, I felt the tick first and then I saw the streak a second later and thought oh crud! that that tick was actually that fish, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel any different more than just like a a tick off a a log or something that seems you know a little more solid than a weed but, but yep. it, you know it's it, 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 so that's another thing too so how many times when you're out there and you feel that tick which you might think oh that's just the, the, the jerk bait or glide bait kinda of catching the line and I felt that tick. Well no, it probably was it could have been a, a fish that just smashed it and for some reason didn't hold on or slapped at it or what, I don't know. Um, so that was a repeated behavior too of that tick with a confirmed aggressive strike.
0: Now we so. there was this is not a pike lake. No. More than likely we can't confirm what this was. I don't believe it was a walleye which would be like the next size predator. Mm-hmm. In this, more than likely it was a muskie, but we could not confirm.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, you start to gauge size. So the size of this thing was decent. I mean, it wasn't like a 50-inch, like, log coming across. But if I'd guess off of estimating, I'd say maybe 30, you know. So I, I don't know if there's many 30-inch bass, but uh, maybe a walleye. But but it, it came up hard and hit and went.
0: Yeah. So, it, it, it was very musky like in, in yeah. that aspect of just yeah. speed and— and all that. So, yeah. So that was so, interesting.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think what else. Um,
0: okay, on the thing here, you have multiple follows from one fish.
1: Yeah, well, when we talked about that early on, when you need cast out a different lure and keep coming in and kind of hover around the boat. Okay. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about that. Um, and, you know- and, and so... Oh, and another thing that that we talked about before is seeing fish in weeds. Yep. So um, what happened, too, is I I would fish, you know, I like to fish kind of the open water next to them, but a lot of times I'd go up to the edge or almost into the weeds. Now, with this technology, it really allows you to find where that weed edge is. And what's nice about it is you can gauge out like 40, 30 feet where that is, depending on how far back you want to stay. And it's really clear on this thing, and and you kind of gauge that. But when you get into the weeds – even some of these thicker weeds, what's amazing is there's actually a lot of sparsity still there. And so there'd be times I'd bring it in my lure and I'd see kind of cutting through the, 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 the mid range of these weeds, you know, everything's kind of vertically driven and you see kind of like this horizontal thing that's just not moving. And, and, you know, and there were times I could see down and you'd see it was a fish just kind of coming ticking it across the weeds with a lazy follow, up. And then there's times that you, you couldn't see it. And then, then, uh, you kind of see this weird anomaly under the boat in the weeds that could have been that fish. But you, you definitely uh, have a means of picking it out. Um, it, it, it's Again, when you get to looking at the screen, and you know, Andy, this isn't like a— per- it's not an underwater camera, so it's not that clear. But after a while staring at it, you start seeing and noticing the difference between fish and any type of other obstructions or, or cover.
0: Yeah, okay, so you said it best. This is a lot like a sonogram. Any anyone yeah. out there who uh, has had the privilege to watch some of these newer sonograms? This is a lot. What it's like you're you're, you're picking up different, different. I call it like feedbacks, and and mm-hmm. there's a, there's a little bit of interpretation going on with this. I can only imagine what they're going to have in five to ten years.
1: Oh my goodness, yeah. yeah.
0: But it's it's some it's some neat stuff there. Um, But what you kind of said, would you agree with this? The weeds that might look like a thick mat on the surface Mm -hmm. might be more, uh, a good example would be if you were a bird flying over a forest and you look down you're like, man, that's some thick stuff. But Mm -hmm. once you get through the canopy of the trees, you just have the trunks where you're like, oh, it's kind of open down here. Yes. Okay. That's so,
1: that. That's yes, it definitely has that kind of sparse forest look. When you look through, you think, "Boy, that's dense." When you see it on this screen, you definitely see
0: because the space. Th- there'd be no way of knowing. I mean, yeah. you would just assume that. Hey, it's a thick mat on top. It has to be a thick mount below. Yeah, there's still going to be stuff down there, but these plants yeah. are going for sunlight. Yeah, and the sunlight's all up high. Having having big and thick is just a waste of resources if it's below where the light can get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. So it's just, again, we're not here selling this technology and, and I'm still not saying go out and buy it. Cause you saw what it is. There's an investment in it. There's, I got a pole, I got to set up, there's a whole buy into it. Um, But the value uh, uh, again is, is witnessing this behavior that I, I just never would have, I guess, realized, you know, and and so it makes me understand it, and and I have to say my musky fishing has improved because of the fact that I have that confidence. There's a lot more going on that I know, and so my my routine now is not necessarily like it was to stare at the screen, even though it's hypnotic. Mine is to okay, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to hit the weed edge a little bit off in whatever it is. But so I throw my lure out. My first instinct is to visually look to see if there's a follow, because from the experience too, those ones that you see are the active ones that you could probably trigger. But then as soon as I don't necessarily see that fall, I look down to the screen and see if there's a lazy fall below. And so that's kind of now my, um, kind of behavior. Now when I fish, it keeps me away from staring at the screen, but then I, I look for that secondary, um, confirmation of what's going on. And so, um, it d- definitely it added something in my opinion to my fishing. And I remember one point, you know, I was testing out the different modes or scout mode and stuff, and, and Andy, you're like, no, put it back on the TV mode. I want to see my Lord.
0: Little- <laughs> there, there is a neat novelty to seeing what you're doing. Yeah. Because I I tend to, when I go, I tend to fish a lot more shallow than what I was doing with Steve. Mm-hmm. And having that visual down there, and just like having this eye opening experience of like holy crap there there's stuff down here that I wouldn't have imagined the amount- mm-hmm. i mean we found a lot of fish yeah. we, we oh. found a lot of fish, i mean not just muskies, yeah doing fish things, just mm-hmm. like look at this, it looks like someone dumped popcorn on the screen. There were all yeah. these dots everywhere,
1: moving around and it was kind of. If you're a pan fisherman, man, this has gotta be like gold. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. You just drive around until you see all the dots and you start casting to them and you clean
1: house. They're gone, yeah. That's, man.
0: It it was it was interesting, and there's there's spots I'm like, man, I'd really like to have this for an afternoon on this. Yeah. And and, and there's a level of, of like just knowing information that's addicting about it. hmm. Um But Obviously, we didn't catch a fish that day. It didn't help us put any fish in the boat.
1: Well, if I could uh, kind of set the hook on a figure eight, I probably could have had the one,
0: but
1: (laughs) (laughs) since I suck and I was out of position. Uh, But yes, no, you're right. We didn't catch any extra. No, Um, I mean,
0: we, we had, so, I mean, not to make it sound like it was doom and gloom, we had three active, three really active visible fish within inches of the surface of the water, making attempts at baits. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad four hours of fishing. Yeah. And like
1: I said, that one uh, it hit the bait, but again, I was way out of position and, and my figure-eighting technique was off, so I had zero leverage. But like you said, that's that's a lot of action. Sometimes it's a great day in some sense. So to do that in the morning, I think, was, was uh, a success, if you will. Yeah,
0: and that lake has been getting substantial amount of pressure.
1: Uh, uh, Ridiculous. And I I wonder too, and this is why I love to take this to a lot of different lakes, to see if that's part of the reason why these long, lazy follows happen, uh, the selectiveness, is is the the pressure that these fish see constantly changing their behavior, you know, And, and to see if that's a real thing and go to another lake that might not get the pressure. You know, do you get as many lazy follows or what? I don't know. I'd, I'd love to really uh, take like three months off and, and do a road show, but I know that's never going to happen, so I could dream at least. But, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see the behavior at different lakes and how the fish are.
0: Yeah, it was it was really neat, and I've also, like, wondered, like, I, I've if you could drain the lake, like, immediately remove all the water, and just see where the fish are lying. This is this is as close to draining the lake as you can get because these fish are in the spots they want to be. Yeah, it, it was it was really interesting from that standpoint. Um, well, and- it was.
1: The, the, I think one of the coolest things again is that interaction between those bait fish and that muskie. You know, they, they knew uh, <laughs> who was coming. Uh, they they knew they weren't staying around. And it was just so cool because we were like, where are these fish going? And then all of a sudden, you're, it's like, you know, you see the shark weeps on. Yep. It's like, you're, well, there she is. There's jaws, you know.
0: Come, coming and in so, and, yeah.
1: And so having that interaction between these fish, is just, it's, it's just so cool to see. So.
0: And there's no other way you're going to see it.
1: No, and it, but it all relates to how is this going to make us better fishermen.
0: And I, yeah. I want to bring up this point because of what you just said. The three fish that we had on the surface that were like, in the act of trying to strike, we we had no, no nothing on the sonar.
1: Yeah, because it was out of count. We were just fishing where we knew we, fish we, were. Right? We
0: were fishing to fish, and that's when we had all the, all like yeah. like the 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 heart pounding action. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. a lot of the stuff we're seeing is more like just some people might think is like, well, this is like boring academic stuff. It's just neat to see and interact. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and so I, I so the day I think of the six follows the three we saw; those were the active ones that because we weren't, you know, you, you, and you saw how it is. It, it's kind of tough to always cast into that cup. Um But so from there,
0: not uh, when someone time, else is running it for you.
1: Well, <laughs> I kept trying to, you know. So you had the three we visually saw that we didn't need confirmation on the screen if it wasn't the con, and then we had the three that we saw on the screen that you couldn't see visually. And then you had the one hit that, that I saw happen on the screen. So you're right. A lot, a lot of that action that you're getting that we had chances is, is the visual. So that, that, you know, people might say, well, then what good is it? And you know, they might be right until I can figure out how to convert some of those lazier fish. Again, you're back to the decision. I'm not selling this. I just, I just thought the behavior that's out there is interesting. I thought, uh, uh, the, the amount of follows that I think we're getting is almost almost double of what you're seeing, and then those fish. And I think again, I mentioned it before. Everybody has those stories of those fish coming from under the boat. These fish stay there, and that's so weird. They 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 just want to like they, like you're walking a dog. I mean, I, you know I'm drifting a long way, and there's I keep looking down, and there he is. And he's kind of following the boat. Um, so it's just crazy.
0: It's it was fun it was a lot of fun to to play around with that. And it also, it, it took some of the pressure off. Like, you know, like when I go out musky fishing, I feel like, all right, time for me just to go out and just pump iron, get this done, you know, get one to react and stuff like that. It, it took mm-hmm. it to a, a level of fun and games for me yeah. that I was just like, I just want to watch this. And it and it brought a level of enjoyment of yeah. just like, I can sit here and just pick this rod tip up and lower it down. And I'm seeing fish on the screen. I'm not seeing it with my eyes. I'm watching them on the screen. And I had a level of confidence that would be like, a fish could hit this at any second. Whereas if I wasn't watching that screen and I did that three times, I'm like, I'm an idiot. What am I I'm doing? I'm wasting time. <laughs> I'm wasting time. But when you're sitting there doing that, all of a sudden one comes into the screen. You're like, hey, this actually would work.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and the cool thing, too, and you mentioned it uh, as well, is, is what your bait is doing. You know, you think you're dropping it two feet, but you're covering a swath of, like, five feet with that swimmer. you know? Yep. And so that allows you to get that cadence and gauge what you're doing because you see that. And then I think that has value, too, that doesn't necessarily translate in you seeing it, but now you're going to fish it ways that might suit the conditions better, you know? So. Yeah, it's it
0: not know, like knowing too much in a subject i think is not a bad thing and yeah. seeing some of these fish that might not present themselves might not ever hit might actually be giving you information that will overload your brain <laughs> i guess i would still rather have the useless information than not and this yeah. was this was really cool and i'm just like looking at it like man how adventurous are you with your boat and would you take them in places that I would take mine?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know you take it. I, I don't know if I'm that adventurous.
0: <laughs> because I remember when, like, side imaging, I I jumped on side imaging fairly quick, and I'm like, this this is the action here. Look, at, I can check out stuff as I'm driving, but this is a little bit more up to the second.
1: Well, and so the the, the side imaging, you're going to be moving with it to get that picture. Um, I know guys that are good with it, almost being static and being able to read things. But you know, it, it, it's get tough to read because a rock that you're next to becomes a long streak. Versus if you're around that four mile an hour range, it paints that picture of the rock. Because remember, we we left the launch, and I had the side imaging on, and we saw the boat that was sunk.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's you, an actual boat. You could see like the, the the curve going up to the keel on the front of the hull, and you could see it all.
1: But if I wasn't traveling that four miles an hour. And going slow, that boat's going to look like the Titanic. It's going to be real long across the screen, and, and so it might not even
0: register as a boat. It might just register, there, there's something there.
1: Right. So that so side imaging has some value there, but you you, you got to be m- moving to get the, that value out of it. Where this is, you can just anchor and sit and watch, and, and you're getting that real action. And, and so, it, correct me if I'm wrong, though. You like when you see a muskie. It's not quite mistaking it. and I mean, it, depending on how he turns into that cone, you can almost see his tail pumping. And, and oh, sometimes could, when he cuts yeah,
0: it... If he hits it perfect, you're going to see, like, the little fins. You're going to see the outline of his body. You're going to see yeah. the tail. You can watch the tail, you know, if, if with with a little of interpretation. You actually watch the tail moving back and forth, just how the shape moves.
1: Right. but But again, if he's kind of crossed the cone... Uh, you don't have it's, it's a little distorted. He registers
0: as like a like a sketchiness, like maybe a ball of bait on a standard sonar.
1: Yeah, because you're just slicing them down the the you know
0: a uh, weird direction.
1: Across. But but you see that movement, and, and that's again. Uh, so again, it's, it's not this whole... That's definitely a muskie. Sometimes you see these videos, and and people crop out the very best of them. So there's a lot of interpretation in between. But there is sometimes that. Like, I still think when you drop that bait, he kind of turned on, you got the long profile, and you see, like, the pumping of the tail. I thought that was awesome.
0: Yes, it's just like a second or two of the thing. But, oh, we should bring this up. So I'm bringing in the swimmer in my jigging thing. It looks like I'm pulling a safety pin spinnerbait because the the leader, the swivel on the leader must echo better than soft plastic and flesh because the we're getting a reading off the metal that's quite a bit larger than what it actually is in real life. So when I was jigging this, it looked like I almost had two baits or one was a blade and and it would be the, the swivel of the leader.
1: Well, and remember you asked me before, can you actually see your bait 30 feet down when I was drop shotting for bass, I could see that weight as clear as day, Mm -hmm. you know, because that really sounds strong. So when you're bringing those lures in, you see your lure, uh, it has a different size to it, but then you see this bright dot in front of it, which is that swivel on the leader. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's funny when you jig it and you kind of see the, the little bright dot go down and then you see your lure following it. And it was just kind of, you know, that sinusoidal uh, harmony between the two. Yeah. But it definitely picks up that little swivel pretty good.
0: Yeah, it was it was interesting because I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, why is that so, What going on right there? And like it, it, it has to be the swivel. Yeah. So...
1: So yeah, it was it was cool so, and t- I think the best part of all the stories is when you called me the next day and said, "Man, I am so sore."
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I That it's just there was there was a lot of things that happened. Uh, Monday was a hot day. Tuesday yeah. was a hot day. And then I I started not feeling good like Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Tuesday and then Wednesday was a hot day, but that didn't stop me from like going and spraying roundup and doing trail camera stuff and i was i was wrecked i was wrecked wednesday and most of thursday
1: yeah, you're out of musky shape buddy i'm out of
0: musky shape but it wasn't it wasn't completely contributed to musky because there was yeah. other health things going on with me but it i don't know if it was the heat but yeah it was it was brutal and i and it could have been like my neck like my neck and shoulders from just doing all that jigging yeah, You know, I, I try to do, you try to get into a rhythm. If you're going to be putting in the long hours of four hours to, to like minimize impact on the body. But I just like, this is too much fun. Just keep doing this. Yeah. And it's just, it just tightened me right up and oh God, I'm getting old. <laughs> I understand why some of these people like trolling so much, but. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Throwing those pounders is not as uh, attractive at our age now.
0: <laughs> no. And, like, you start looking at it like, man, I got to deal with the kids tonight. And then there's, you know, not, not yeah. in my case that last week, but, like, tomorrow at work's going to suck. Maybe I'll just not work as hard now, not have as much fun so I can not suffer so much tomorrow.
1: <laughs> well, you know, we went walleye fishing. You know, so be at my place at Three, that's it. That, so I, I understand my uh, my arrival date. So, you know, you get up at like 2.15, get all ready, come out there. Uh, we go out in Lake Erie, come back. I don't know what time it was when I got back. It might have been noon or something by the time I got everything done. And as soon as I arrived home, my wife goes, okay, girls want to go kayaking. So I had to run like three laps around the lake in a kayak uh, trying to stay awake.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the thing is, is like I tried to go to bed early at like 10 so I could have like four hours of sleep. You're like, I went to bed at like twelve thirty. I'm like, You're running yeah, was, on
1: two hours? Yeah, yeah there's a lot, a lot of caffeine in my system to even make me function the rest of that day. Yeah,
0: and then, then you you have to take a nap. You're wrecked.
1: Oh well, and, you know, youth, you can do that, but now it takes two or three days to recover from that. <laughs> yeah, and then and
0: then we then I went ahead and woke up at like four o'clock the next day to go meet you at the launch at five.
1: I know we We pushed it
0: no one of us died, <laughs> yeah, and then and then a the stupid heat and humidity, but
1: yeah, oh man, uh, the the days of our youth wouldn't that have been great,
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, if you knew what you like if you knew what you knew now, yeah, and you had the resources that you have now, and only you take away twenty years,
1: oh man, I th- so i I know I told this story before, but i don't know how many years ago it was i did a day trip from here which is six hours one way to st Clair. so i left at one in the morning um got to the launch almost around seven i think we fished till five or six uh got back in the car drove home and arrived back home around one so it was a full 24 hours but if i tried doing that today i'd be dead I, i'd be in a coma for about three you, you'd days you'd
0: have to book two motels yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yes, for all those young musky fishermen out there, do your crazy stuff now. Get those all nighters in. Drink those stupid Monster Energy drinks, or whatever you drink, and take those long trips to Lake of the Woods or whatever you want to do. Because when you when you start hitting those upper forties and fifties, it ain't happening.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and and it's so easy because I I'm I'm fading out of that stage of being able to be invincible that you're just like, Oh man, you're just getting old, this and that it's going to happen. That, yeah. that there's a level of understanding when you hit your mid to upper thirties that you're just like, yeah, yeah. It just, it, 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 I I'm, I'm catching the, the, the glimpses of what reality will be. It's yeah. hitting me. I can power through it for the most part when I feel it matters. Yeah. But anymore, you start trying to plan stuff a little bit smarter yeah, like last year, and I I don't know if I'm gonna do it again this year. My Kentucky trip. Oh yeah. So I left at like I don't know five six a.m. Get down there around noon, and they're like, hey, by the way, we're gonna be hitting the stands sometime around two thirty. It gets dark around eight, you know. So they want you to leave around two two thirty. By the time you drive there, you get dressed and all this and that. You're probably in the stand three thirty four o'clock, and then you know you sit there and only it's. 85, 90 degrees out. It's hot. You just got mm-hmm. done walking. There's bugs and this and that. Then whatever. You get done with your hunt. It's 8 o'clock. You're back at the truck, 8.30. You drive back. You're getting back to the lodge, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. You still want to eat. You eat. And you're just like, e- guess what? I'm not brushing my teeth tonight because I'm closing <laughs> these eyes. It's like, it's all of a sudden it just wipes you out so hard.
1: Well... I'm going to tell you right now, give it 10 years and not only, you know, so you're still going to muster up that energy to do that day. I'm finding myself, I'm still like, I can do this, but I'm telling you, there's a two or three day recovery period to where you throw yourself. again. You got a little haze, a little tiredness. Uh, it's so it, it, it sucks.
0: It sucks. And I'm starting to eye up like maybe because only hunting the afternoon, you're only hunting the evening. And I'm just like, why would I spend an extra night away from the kids? And now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, man, why don't I just go down the night before and then just kick (laughs) around and do nothing all day?
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. When you get older, you get got an advanced plan.
0: (laughs) Right. So you you younglings enjoy it while you have it.
1: Oh, man, take advantage. Please do. Yeah. Throw those pounders. Throw two pounders if you can yeah um, just you,
0: you'll pay for it later
1: you just can't do it later
0: well you'll pay for it later with rotator cuff surgery and oh yeah right <laughs> and then like you can talk about like how you can't lift your arm above your you know your, your head and yeah. you can show them all these pictures of these fish that you caught and it really in the end it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't they're gonna, matter they're gonna
1: they're gonna call you a liar anyway and tell you it's not as big as you say so
0: <laughs> yeah there's just a lot of stuff that just like it's just not worth it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh Well,
0: all right, let's wrap yeah, this man. one up here. So, it was a
1: good one. I appreciate you having me on, man. I, I, I yeah, I always love doing these. So I thank you for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad you. I'm glad we were able to go fishing. I'm glad that I was a part of the the early research project of yeah. active target.
1: Yeah, I'm going to keep the research going. So if I see. More behavior that's outside of what I reported, uh, I'll, I'll bring it back.
0: <laughs> yeah, in these early stages, you have to think that there's going to be some kind of tip or trick to where you could, you know, convert some of those real dark, deep, lazy followers that you don't even know are there. There's got to right. be some kind of, like, something.
1: Well, you know, the next thing is some kind of vertical bait, like a bondy bait or something that I, I just didn't have tied up, you know. That's going to be my next experiment. I'm going to have that sucker ready to go, that lazy follow, when that fish wants to hang out. Will that do it? I don't know. You know. So you're right. There's, there's more experimentation to come. And once you start converting those, I think that's where the, the success rate is going to go up because that would be really big if, uh, if you start double and triple on your catch on fish you, you can't even physically see. You know.
0: Yeah, so here's something to think about. Mm-hmm. Dead sticking, live bait.
1: Yeah, old school style, man. Yeah. I mean, just
0: have it down there. I mean, you're far enough out of the weeds where you don't have to worry about it like no. getting hung up. But you could just put it down there with an ounce of lead and just have it have it in the sweet spot. You know, if you're in 15 foot and those fish seem to like that 8 foot mark, you, you get them down. You know, you, you get it down 8 to 10 foot down on the sonar. Yeah. You bring them in and just whatever the fish the fish is there following. You just let that. You know, whatever, catch a bluegill because I know I could catch a bluegill from active target. Catch a bluegill, run a circle hook through its face, and just let it <laughs> let it sit down there, and just keep casting. If you get a follow, you, guess what? The bluegill is going to back clean up for you. <laughs>
1: well, you know, I suspect that's what happens when these guys sucker fish in the fall, and I think these fish they might be catching are probably ones that came in on a lazy follow. You know, so uh, so that's not a bad idea. Just something to employ all year. Yeah, and just
0: just catch the bait there like like if you were in the ocean you got to go catch your bait to catch the next bait gets, to catch the fish you are
1: first yeah like you said with active target that's a piece of cake
0: <laughs> yeah i mean you just go ahead and do that and just like okay here it is and and just you you drag one around and you know if if you're on it quick enough quick strike it put a quick yep. strike rig in a bluegill and just leave it down there and just so the fish is somewhat in distress and hey guess what you might pick up an extra couple fish, but
1: <laughs> how cool would that be to watch? And like I told the story of the smallmouth chasing this bait fish, but imagine that, you know, you see this little perch swimming in circles, and this fish kind of going around.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it, it could be the difference maker. I mean, it could be like, yeah, we had a 12 fish day. <laughs> yeah. How many did you catch casting? On... Well, I brought him in casting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's an assist.
0: It, it's not the old timer. that's like, yeah, when I watched that bobber go underwater, I light a cigar, and when I'm done with it, then I set the hook. You're right. <laughs> no, you're No, uh, you're, you're just pulling the assist. That's all you're doing.
1: That's it. So a lot of experimentation to come, which is cool. But like I said, just from the, the little bit of experimentation, uh, it kind of blew my mind, and I don't know how many points we talked about behavior-wise that just were things I didn't know. So I can't imagine that there's just more to come. So yeah. cool.
0: Good deal. Yep. All right, big thanks to Fatty Z Musky Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guide, St. Cory Rods, Ranger Boats, Vix Marine, and Aquatraction. Traction. Um, this was a fun one, guys. Uh, if you hung out with us for the hour and 42 minutes, I <laughs> Is that how long it was? Yes. Oh, oh well. Went uh,
1: fast, buddy, I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah, it did. So, thanks, everyone. Uh, good luck fishing. Thanks for listening.